JFC, Pastor John here. We're at the Mount of Beatitudes in Israel in order to bring you our series on the Beatitudes. It's probably, in my mind, the greatest message that was ever taught. Jesus teaches on the practical principles that help us to live life, not just to endure it, but to actually live it. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever needed mercy? Uh, it's one of the profound issues of life that what we give is what we receive. When we give mercy, we're entitled to mercy. Just like when we give grace, we get grace. There's something about how we give something away that we attract that very thing in our life. And the other is true too. When we're not merciful, we tend to attract judgment and unkindness in our life. Here's my question for you, do you need mercy? If you're a person like me who needs mercy, this may be one of the more important Beatitudes. Matthew chapter five, verse seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I want to invite all of our campuses to sit back, open your heart, get ready. If you need mercy, this message is for you. How's everybody doing? Good. It is good to be with you. It's an honor and privilege. I want to shout out to all of the people listening, whether you're at Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, or online via the live stream. We are glad that you are with us today. And I have a single question for everybody listening, and that is this. God is here. God has a great message that he wants to give to you through both myself and through Pastor John. Are you ready to receive? All right, to make sure that we're all on the same page, one of the things that we're doing throughout this Beatitude series is we're actually splitting up two Beatitudes per weekend. And so I get the privilege to do uh, Blessed Are the Merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And then Pastor John is going to get up after me and do the next Beatitude uh, in this series. But before we get started, I want to jump in and just uh, open uh, your heart and my heart to receiving from the Lord. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and we pray that you would speak to every single person hearing through this message right now. God, I pray that you would use my words to communicate your heart. God, you have given me a message. Help me to communicate it properly. God, you've placed such a, uh, just a joy about this message in my heart. I pray that that would come out and that it would be communicated and it would touch the lives and the hearts of every single person. So we open our hearts and we open our minds to receive from you. We know that you are here giving us a great word, but Lord, we receive the word that you have for us. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, the beatitude is found Matthew Chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy, or they shall receive mercy. Now, um, I had a blast searching this out. And one of the things that I came to realize is that um, I, to be honest with you, I had a misunderstanding of mercy. Um, to, to be quite honest with you, as I was studying this out, I realized that I was actually teaching my kids incorrectly in the difference between grace and mercy. You know, we're a grace-filled church. We talk about the fact that we, we practice and teach grace and that we want to show grace to people and we teach out of the heart of grace. But the truth is, uh, a lot of times we teach out of mercy and we're teaching from a heart of mercy. And so let me, let me give you a couple definitions or, or the difference between grace and mercy. Um, if you've been in church at any length of time, you have heard this given. Grace is getting something for which I've done absolutely nothing to deserve. Getting something for which I've done absolutely nothing to deserve. Mercy, not getting something negative that I absolutely do deserve. 
And that's the difference between the two. And how many of you know that Jesus Christ fulfilled both of those? He gave us great grace in that he gave us something that we didn't deserve and mercy in that he took our penalty on the cross for our sin because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so every single one of us, when held in a court of law, would be held accountable for all of our sins and the wages of those sins would be death. Jesus took that death on the cross. You know, one of the things that we often teach is that God is full of grace. He is full of mercy and he is full of justice. And I was sitting here worshiping uh, today before the service and here's one of the thoughts that I, I feel like or a nugget that God planted in my heart. Do you know out of those three things, grace, mercy, and justice, the only one of those things that the world isn't attracted to is when we go and judge them. When we extend grace, they're drawn to Jesus Christ. When we extend mercy, they are drawn to Jesus Christ. When we extend judgment, they run away from us. Yes? I was talking to my wife about this, and um, I wanted to give a test. Uh, she gave me actually great insight on, on this, and I thought, oh, this is really good. Here's a test for which... Um, you could apply to your life and you can ask yourself, which one am I giving? Am I giving grace or am I giving mercy? Grace is extended to another person when no wrong has been done to you. When you are giving something to someone, when no wrong has been done to you, you're giving them grace. But mercy is extended to another person when a great wrong has been done to you. When something has been, okay, let me loosen you guys up a little bit here. Come on. When you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, a great wrong has been done. Can I get an amen? Are you extending grace or mercy when you just let them go? Mercy, because a wrong has been done to you. Now, I make light of that, but I want you to think about a social injustice that may be near and dear to your heart. Let's jump into our living room a little bit here, because the truth is mercy is extended when a great wrong has been done to us and we let it go. Here's the definition of mercy. To be spared or rescued from judgment. Another definition that I found was this. Forgiveness showed or sh showed. Forgiveness shown towards someone who it is within your power to punish or harm. Good. Now when I was reading these, all kinds of scripture started to pour through my head. For instance, Matthew 7, verse 1, do not judge or you will be judged. Hmm, that's tough, isn't it? For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure, measure you use, it will be measured to you. Matthew 6, 14 through 15, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But listen to this next part. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Church, if the definition is of mercy is exactly what those are, to be spared from judgment or to forgive someone when they've done great harm in which you, you could have every right to punishment, punish them, but you forgive them, then I've got two things that I want to share with you in regards to uh, giving out mercy. Because the Beatitude says this, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And the first one is this, don't judge, but forgive. Don't judge, but forgive. 
as I was studying things out and I was just thinking about it, here's what I began to realize. God will put you into a place many, many times throughout your life, maybe even many, many times throughout your week, in which you have the ability to judge someone or to forgive someone. He gives us chances all of the time to be merciful. Again, I joke about being cut off while you're driving down the road, but the truth is God is giving you an opportunity right there to practice mercy. But to get real, let's go a little bit deeper into things that hurt a little bit more. What about some of the social injustices? I felt strongly not to actually bring any out, but I know that some come to mind. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to you. Bad things happened, happen to people that you love and that you care deeply about. And the truth of the matter is, it is so easy to take that stance of judgment on those individuals and hold grudges and hold bitterness in your heart towards those people. But I want you to hear something. Because the truth of the matter is this. When you grab that offense, when you grab that bitterness... And I get it, a great injustice has been done to you. I understand that. But the truth is when you grab hold of that and you hold it into your heart, here's what happens. Not only are you hurt one time when the offense took place, but then you are hurt a second time and maybe a third and a fourth time as you continue to harbor that. Do you know the Word of God actually says that when we hold bitterness and unforgiveness, it's a sin. And so we take these things, and when we don't extend mercy to those situations, and we hold on to those things, man, I want to see justice done. Do you know the Bible says that God is the one that's going to give us justice? Yeah. He's the one that's going to come down. He's the one that's going to make everything all right. Well, Pastor Dan, you don't know what happened to me, or you don't know what happened to my sister. I don't. You're absolutely right. But here's what I do know. Jesus Christ died on the cross for that thing, and He wants to set you free from it. And when you don't let it go, church, when you don't let it go, it actually hurts you more than one time. You get hurt over and over and over again. You know what my heart is? My heart is that you would hear these words, and I know I, they're tough words. I get it. But I pray that you would hear these words and that you would take them home and that you would begin to pray over them and that you would begin to ask God, God, is there things that I need to let go? Is there a seed of bitterness? Is there a seed of unforgiveness in my heart that I need to let go of and that I need to do exactly what you say to do in regards to giving mercy? Mercy is forgiving someone in which you have every right to punish or judge them. Mercy is to rescue people from the judgment of being guilty. And my heart is that you would go home and you would truly seek out and you would seek the heart of the Lord and you would go, God, is there things that I'm holding on to? Because those things are hindering your walk with the Lord. Those things are hindering relationships that you could have, incredibly blessed relationships that you could have, but you're holding on to that bitterness and you're not extending mercy, and therefore that relationship is impaired. Take it home, wrestle with it, ask God if there's any truth to it. 
And my heart, again, is that you would be set free from that. Because when that bitterness is exposed, when that unforgiveness is let go of, man, it's amazing the freedom that we receive when we do that. So number one, don't judge but forgive. Number two, give away what you want. I teach this a lot of times in other classes that I do, whether it's with grace or with mercy. And here's the statement I will say quite often, and that is this, extend the mercy to other people that you would want to receive. Extend the grace that you would want to receive. But in this case, in light of the message, extend the mercy, the amount of mercy in whatever situation you are facing, extend the amount of mercy that you would want to receive if you were in the other person's shoes. Well, Pastor Dan, does that mean that um, I just become a doormat and people just get to walk all over me? You know what? Here's the truth of the matter. Jesus Christ, Pastor John did an incredible job last week of talking about the difference between humility and humiliation. And we get to choose which one we're going to let affect. I mean, if, if you really think about what happened to Jesus, I mean, he could have sulked more than any one of us as, as he went through everything that he went because he was being completely humiliated. But in the middle of that, he chose, the Bible says he chose to be a humble servant and go through that. You know, there's several verses that God talks about, hey, if you, if you get struck on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Uh, it, there's several different verses that talk about this. Am I saying that you'd be a doormat? No, I'm saying you'd be merciful. Yeah. You make the choice to be merciful. Yeah. So great injustice has been done to you. I understand that. Let's let God judge that situation and let's let you walk in freedom because if you extend mercy, you'll receive it. Do you know, church, it is the only one of the Beatitudes that you get what you give. Read them. Read through all eight. It is the only one in which you get what you give. How are you doing in giving out mercy? The blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. As I was studying it, the parable of the servant who owed money came to mind. And so I want to read that to you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them open to Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to start in verse 23. It is not in your notes, but I would like to read through this to wrap up my segment here. Matthew 18, again, starting verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like... All right, real quick, just a quick quiz. What are we talking about? Pastor John, you are first, man. You win. <laughs> One more time. What are we talking about? Okay, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. This is God's economic system. Does that make sense? This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, how many of you know this is a man that has done harm to the king? I mean, he's done harm in the financial sense. I know probably there's people listening to me that have been done in the financial or been harmed in a financial sense. That's what's happened here. And the king is coming to claim his debt. 
Okay? I, want, I want my money. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. How many of you know there's a great example of mercy right there? Okay? The man rightfully owed this money. The king said, you know what? I'm going to show mercy to you. I forgive you all your debt. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and, be and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the men thrown into prison until he could, no, until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master then called the servant in and said, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours that, because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Let me repeat that. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. These are Jesus's words. This is how my Father in heaven will treat you unless you forgive. And then he throws in this added thing, unless you forgive from all your heart. I mean, he doesn't want just, okay, I forgive you. He wants that deep down, I totally have let this go. I have totally forgiven this person. I've completely let the bitterness and the judgment go. I've let it go. I want to give you the scope of what happened here. Okay? Because we read those numbers and we don't really understand what they are. A denarii is a day wage. Okay? A denarii is a day wage. A talent is 6,000 denarii. A talent is about 20 years of wages. The man, when he walked into the king, owed 10,000 talents. Wow. This is 200,000 years of wages. Are you, are you guys getting that? Yeah. I, I mean, is it too big? It's 200,000 years of wages. Now, he begged. Can you imagine why he begged? Yeah. It's about somewhere between, based on today's current standards, it's about somewhere between 12 and $15 billion that this man owed the king. Wow. He got forgiven of that debt. He walks out into the street and sees somebody who owes him money. 
the amount that he owed him, it says 100 denarii, which is about 100 days wages. So think about it in today's terms. It was probably about fifteen to $25,000. That's a lot of money to be owed. And I bet this man didn't have a lot of money because he was begging the king. He wasn't even trying to make a payment plan. He was begging the king for forgiveness. So he said, hey, have grace on me. Have mercy on me in this case. The king says, okay. He takes this guy and goes, no, I need that money. And he starts to choke him. And has him thrown in jail until you can pay me back. Church, we read this story and we go, wow, that, I, I'm not like that. <laughs> the debt that that gentleman was forgiven, I want to correlate to the debt you were forgiven by Jesus Christ on the cross. You can't pay it back. There is no way you can pay it back. And if you've called upon the name of Jesus Christ, at some point you went to him and said, Father, forgive me. Please, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life and change all of that. And God said in his great mercies, you are forgiven. Who are you to go out and hold bitterness? Who are you to go out and hold unforgiveness? But Pastor Dan, you don't know what cruelty, cruelty was done. You know what? You're right, I don't. But this is what the Word of God says. And I encourage you, I implore you with all of my heart, show mercy to that. Well, how do I do it? Just start daily. Just start speaking that over them. Start speaking the forgiveness. Start speaking the, uh, the I let you go. I'm not going to hold this anymore. Start working through that. Start asking God ways that you can show mercy. I'll conclude by reading this last verse. And I put in your notes, think, live, breathe, and act on mercy. That's what I want you to do. Think, Live, breathe, act mercy. Because James 2.13 says this, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. God, are these scriptures just not cutting you to the core? As I was studying this, I began to realize how unmerciful I was and how many opportunities I had a chance to show mercy where I just don't say a word. And this, this last week, I've been like, oh, hey, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Here, you need this. I, I mean, because you read that, that's huge. Let me read it one more time. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs, or triumphs over judgment. Yep. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you and we say thank you so much for the mercy that you've given us, the grace that you've given to us, the love that you've shown out for us uh, by dying on the cross. And, Heavenly Father, I pray that every single person listening to this message right now would take it home, that they would consider it in their hearts, that they would meditate on it in their minds. And God, I pray that you would reveal by your Holy Spirit any areas in which bitterness or unforgiveness, any areas in which mercy needs to be extended from them to another person or to another thing. And God, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage to do the thing that society would say is not acceptable, to do the thing that maybe will get funny looks and strange comments, but to do the thing that they need to do to extend mercy. 
And Lord, as they do that, I pray that practically and physically they would experience the mercy that they should receive from you as they are merciful. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Dan. How many, how many in here need mercy? Golly, all of us need to raise our hand on that one, huh? You know, I just wrote down a couple thoughts. I, I said that judgment breeds offense and bitterness. And why do, So why do we act in judgment so often? If it breeds offense and bitterness, we think it feels good initially, but ultimately it kills us. You know, we have an opportunity for freedom through mercy, and yet how often do I choose judgment and bitterness? You know, what a, what a crazy thought. Uh, and then I wrote down next to it, I said, no matter the cost, I must extend mercy because it's what I need. It's what I want. You know, we have an opportunity to, to give mercy. It's a choice. You know, you could sit in any situation, and you could cast judgment on a person, and maybe rightfully you could do that. But in every, other, every one of those same situations, you have an opportunity to extend mercy to that person at the same time, and it's up to us to choose. How much do you want mercy? How much do you need mercy? Well, that, that should be at least the mark that you hit for extending it to others. I know all of us need mercy. We just said we all raised our hands. So here's the deal. You know, we, again, we recognize that there's so little time to talk over these things, and there's so much, there's so much rich, you know, just meat that God's given through these Beatitudes. And so we've really intentionally set up a class on Monday nights, um, 7 o'clock. Uh, this Monday is the last one here at the Lone Tree Campus, Beatitudes 2.0. Um, and the whole thing is just to go in-depth into what you guys are, are learning right now, what we're talking about. So if that sounds appealing to you, if you want to take this further, if you say, hey, man, I need mercy. I need it real bad. I'm not very good at giving it. Come Come with a bunch of other people who need a whole lot of mercy. Join us for Beatitudes 2.0 and dive deeper. That's Monday night information and sign-ups are available at the Connect Grow Serve table. We're going to jump into the next part of this message. So if you guys would watch this with me. We're teaching on a series called the Beatitudes. You remember they're just simple keys for how to live life. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus teaches this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Maybe the easiest way to understand this particular beatitude would be to flip it around. Do you want to know God? Do you want to see God? Well, the key is to have a pure heart. Pure heart is not a list. It's not regulations. It's the simplicity of innocence. It's to have a heart or a personality or character like Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to be talking about this weekend. Howdy, church. Hey, uh, my quick opportunity to remind you about something at all of our campuses that's going on uh, as soon as we're done. You might have smelled hamburgers and hot dogs cooking on the way in or at least seen it going on. Um, we allow our youth to do a fundraiser every year, and the fundraiser is not for their department. The fundraiser is for their mission trip, and they're getting ready next month to take off on a couple of different mission trips, a junior high one and a senior high one. And so one of the ways they raise money for that is they do a hamburger hot dog cookout. So we ask our folks, would you on the way out of here grab a hamburger and hot dog? Now two things, it's not how cheap you can go have a meal. Some of you are like, you're wrong about that. No, I'm right about that. So here, hey, can you see what that is? 100 bucks. This is what we're spending on hamburgers and hot dogs Chris and I, when the service is over, some of you are like, that's crazy. It doesn't cost that much. That's the point. It goes to missions. Yes or no? Write a check. Buy a $100 hot dog. Buy a $1,000 hamburger. 
I'm serious. It all goes towards mission, helps our young people get out there and get it done. It's happening at all of our campuses. Make sure, be a part of this. Uh, they normally raise $10,000, $12,000 with this through the weekend, and it pays. It helps to pay down so that each of them that are going get a chance to go. Make sure, even if you don't like hamburgers and hot dogs, can you give something to it? If you don't, it'll come back to you. Dan said it. Okay, there you go, right there. All right. <laughs> Let's jump in to uh, the beatitude that I'm doing tonight. Uh, mine is Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I put in my notes, and you'll see it right there. The Bible provides importance to certain things that we are to do. In other words, the Bible lists things that actually have a precedent over others. For instance, Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment? How many remember what the greatest commandment was? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That comes before other things that we do in the Bible. You get that. There's a precedent to certain things. So when we talk about that, then that becomes important in looking at the understanding of blessed are the merciful, for they shall see God. I put down in your notes right here, some things come before others are possible. An example, forgiving comes before loving. If you are a person who is bound up with bitterness, Dan touched on this just a moment ago. If you're bound up with bitterness, here's the part about not forgiving somebody. You're giving free room and board to bitterness in your life. You shouldn't give away anything like that free. You need to live free. So in my mind, what comes before being able to love somebody is being able to truly forgive somebody. In fact, when you forgive them, you are in effect loving them, aren't you? So there's a precedent here. You want to love someone, then the ability to be able to forgive them is there. I put also, how about giving and receiving? Paul writes, when we give, we receive. What you sow is what you... So there's a precedent then. You can't reap what you don't sow. So there's a precedent or a first and then a second idea right here. Well, this particular beatitude gets into that. I put then the thought would be maybe one of the most important things you can do that lines up with the idea of do this first and then this happens, we find in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. How many times in 15 years of this church's existence I've taught from this particular scripture? I have no idea, but by heart it says this. Look at it right here. Above all else... Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring or your life story. So we got a precedent again. Above everything else, guard your heart, because from your heart comes your life. I taught a little, a little while ago, I taught uh, just today. I was teaching uh, at, a, at a retreat, and I taught on the idea of the heart, and I said this to people when it comes to the heart. If you protect your heart... You give God a chance to do great things with you. If you leave your heart unguarded, you're letting the enemy do great things with you. There's no neutrality to this issue. We tend to treat ourselves spiritually like we're Switzerland, and there's no such thing. You're moving forward, you're moving backwards, but you are never the same. You're never the same. That's the way that it works. On an unguarded heart, I put down this thought right here. The enemy will aim at the unguarded heart every time for this reason. If the devil gets your heart, he gets you. Never forget that. All right, now, let me ask the question. How many of you believe you're supposed to guard your heart? You believe you're supposed to do it. How many of you think it's difficult to guard your heart? 
Well, you're smart people. You might have figured out where I was going. Here's the problem. We were on a staff retreat earlier this week. We're flying back yesterday. I'm looking in. The flight was long enough where I got just bored enough to read the in-flight magazine. You ever been there? That's a bore, That's magazine for boredom. So I'm flipping through the magazine. I found this quick article I'm going to read to you. Here's the deal. I didn't steal this. I asked, can I take this? They said, take it, do whatever you want to. So I just simply ripped the page out and left the magazine for everybody else. <laughs> Here's here's the article. It's called Rock of Aged. Not ages, aged. Now I'm going to connect the idea of guarding your heart and the difficulty of it with this truth. How many of you remember the group Van Halen? And if you don't raise your hand, you're lying right now. You don't, you act holy. Either that or you're a kid. That's what you are. You know what? There's two people in this room. Barney was a deputy or he was a purple dinosaur. He was a deputy with one bullet. Let me just tell you. All right, here's, here's the deal. Van Halen, you remember Van Halen? I, this, this bothered me, all oh, this bothered. The combined age for the members of Van Halen, 198. That hurts. Listen to this. The average age in the group is 49. The golden Oli is Alex Van Halen, who is 60. The whippersnapper is his son, Wolfgang who was 22. They've been around since 1974. How many remember the group KISS? KISS's combined age, 231. The golden oldie, Gene Simmons at 63. The whippersnapper, Tommy Thayer at 52. They've been around since 73. How many remember Fleetwood Mac? Don't stop thinking about... Yes, you listen. Yeah, yeah. The combined age, 260. I, it hurts. It just hurts. The golden oldie is John McVie. The whippersnapper, Lindsey Buckingham. McVie, 67. Buckingham, 63. They were founded in 1967. Last but not least, Foreigner. How many remember? Yeah. You're as cold as I... Okay. Combined age, 273. The average age, 54. The golden oldie, Mick Jones, 68. The whippersnapper, Michael Bluestein, 44. They were founded in 1976. Why in the world would I share this with you when it comes to the idea of the pure in heart shall see God? Because I'm saying some things come before others. The Bible tells us to guard our heart because from it comes the story of our life. And I mentioned to you how difficult is it to guard your heart. And I'm going to compare it to what we just read. I was distantly aware that time was going by. It was in my peripheral. I don't consider myself to be 50, because in my head I feel like I'm 19. Everybody has their perfect age that they're stuck at, aren't we? We just don't do anything to prove us wrong. We look in the mirror and rebuke it. I know how it goes, but the truth of the matter is that deal is you are aging and it is going by and it's going by very quickly and here's the thing it's only when you read things like that that you become cognizant present to how much time has gone by yes or no the two things it did to me it made me feel old and then it suddenly jarred me into I cannot believe that much time has gone by that's what it's like to try to guard your heart you are distantly aware that something is going on 
but seldom are we cognizant to something's happening in my heart. All right, it's right. Get it. Because it's really important right here. Because we all say, okay, I get it. I want to I guard my heart. Why guard your heart? Well, this scripture then becomes the erstwhile issue of why you should do it. Because when you guard your heart, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. An unguarded heart is shot out by the enemy because if he gets your heart, he gets you. A guarded heart, here's the benefit of it. You see and hear from God more easily, don't you? I want you to think of this. When your heart's in the right condition, how easy is it to hear from God? And when your heart is far, far, it's difficult to hear from God, isn't it? I got a call from Daniel this week. He's at YWAM. God, he is so on fire. I've never seen my son so on fire than he is right now. He is prophesying to me. He's, I'm coming back. We're planting a thousand churches all over North America. He said, you used to be dangerous. What happened to you? That's what he said. You used to be dangerous. <laughs> Let me give you a cause and effect. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed. This is from the Revised Standard. Here, here's a full meaning. Blessed, happy, enviable, fortunate, spiritually prosperous, possessing happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of His grace regardless of their outward condition are the pure in heart for they shall see God. When your heart is clean, you can easily hear and see God all around you, can't you? You know, I had a lunch with a guy just a month and a half ago. He's a businessman in our church. Um, I didn't realize how big this guy's business was. I didn't realize how well he had done. He inherited the business from his father. He asked to meet with me, and here's what he said. He said, uh, I've got a dilemma, and I'd like to meet with my pastor to talk through the dilemma. So I gave the guy an appointment. We sat down, and this is what he said. I I'm, going to, um, I'm going to save his name, and I'm going to call his business something else to protect the innocent. I'm going to say that his business was an office supply business, okay? It's not, but that's what I'm going to say it was. They supply to so many different people around our state that it's not even funny. Here's what he said. He said, we have so many accounts. I'm not aware of all our accounts, but recently it came to me that one of our accounts was Planned Parenthood. He said, it's brought a dilemma to me because I'm a believer and I disagree with Planned Parenthood. And what should I do? Should I go and should I cancel this account? We sat for a minute, we talked, we were praying. I said, you know, the Bible says this, if we lack wisdom, we can ask God who gives it to everyone liberally. Let's pray right now. In the middle of a Starbucks, we just prayed. And I looked up and I said, man, are you hearing anything? And this is what he said to me. Um, he said, I've got Christian drivers. How about if I were to put the Christians on the route? He said, you know, all of the believers that I know go down and stand in front and picket and protest. Nothing wrong with that. But can I just tell you that there are two people who go to picket and protest. There are those who go because abortion is evil and the people who get one are evil. And then there's the people who go because Jesus loves those people and they need to hear about him. Those are two different people, yes or no? Those are two different people right there. They're doing the same thing, but those are two different people. So here's what he said. Most of the world has the idea that believers just hate them for the things that they do. He said, what if I put my three believers on the trucks that delivered to them, they got inside and they began to walk the halls and prayer bomb the place with prayer. I said, well, that's really cool. That, that's really cool. That's, that's God. And then, and then I said this. I said, how about the, I said, how big of an account is it? He said, it's not too big of an account, but it's a fairly good size account. I said, how about this? What if you were to take that money and you were to give it to places that practiced adoption? I said, thereby Planned Parenthood is paying for those to have adoptions. 
And he goes, I'll go one better than that. What if I give the money to focus on the family and add to it so that they can buy an x-ray machine that helps women get pregnant? So Planned Parenthood is actually paying for women to get pregnant to have babies. <laughs> so why tell us that story? When the heart is pure, it hears easily from God. And when it's not pure, this is what it does. I'm going to cut that off. I'll have nothing to do with the world. Here's the problem. We have let all the darkness, all the dark places of the world, all we've done is curse them. And this is what darkness is. It's the absence of light. We are the people of light. Here's what God calls us to. Have a pure heart. Go into those places. Bring the light so that I can change the heart of the people. Aren't you sick of cursing the darkness? Can I make a statement? We've become very political in the last 25 years, and look what it's gotten us. We're marginalized. I don't care if you're mad at me right now. We're marginalized. We can't even speak to the homosexual issue anymore. We try to talk, and we're labeled homophobes before we even address anything God has to say. We're pushed so far to the side. We've gone after it the world's way. Let's do it Jesus' way. He didn't say pick up a sword. He said pick up a cross, which requires a pure heart. Hello? We're not even hearing it his way or doing it his way because our hearts, man, they're so divided. They're so filled with everything else. Let me quickly just move down through this right here. I think this is important. In my mind, here's what I've experienced in church. You can have two people in the same room who have different experiences. Some people experience the presence of God in a service. Other people doubt if he was even there. What's the difference? The heart? No, it's the music. Wrong. Because there are some who experience God with the music. That's too loud. I don't like that song. I don't like that worship leader. The air conditioner's too cold. The carpet's too loud. Dan's going first. Where's John? This is no 40-minute message. Blah, 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 blah. Here's where your heart is. It's full of the cares and the worries of this world. Stop it. Get a pure heart. Hear from God. Supporting scriptures, Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Make something your treasure, your heart will follow. If your heart's not there, look where your treasure's at. Maybe your treasure's so much into this world that that's why the world has a bigger hold on you than God does. Hey, my name's John, I'm your pastor, it's all good. <laughs> Three exercises, three exercises. Number one, pray this. Psalms 51.10, David said, create in me a... When's the last time you prayed that prayer? I'll be honest, when's the last time you prayed that prayer? Create in me a clean heart, God. How many of you recognize we need a clean heart? Okay, you can't go home. You don't go home, I'm going to have a clean heart. Like saying that is the automatic proof it ain't going to happen. Say this, God... Work this inside of me. I need a clean heart. It's a work of grace. Dan just said it. It's a work of grace for it to happen in your life. Creating me a clean heart. Number two, do this. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When's the last time you spent any time just confessing your sin to God? Does God forgive? Yes. So then why would we need to confess our sin? For his sake or for our sake? Absolutely. It makes your heart tender. It releases your heart. Confess your sins. God already is, he's already dealt with every one of them on the cross of Christ. 
Every, it's not going to surprise him. It's not going to catch him off guard. Why do it? Because it's cathartic for the heart. Last but not least, so pray this, do this. How about this? Guard this, Proverbs 4.23. Above everything else, guard your heart. Because from it comes your life story. When you guard your heart, it means these three things. You know what's going into it. You know what's going out of it. And you know what's going on with it. How's your heart? How's your heart? So we come to the end of a message and you have an opportunity again to do something with your heart. Everything Dan said really came back to the heart too. From a heart we forgive people. Isn't that what he read to us? Jesus doesn't just give me your lips. You know there's a scripture where Jesus said, people give me their lips but their hearts are far from me. God doesn't want your lip service. He wants your heart because if you get your heart, he got all of you. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Because if you get your heart, he gets your money. <laughs> Thank you for laughing, whoever you are over there. You have a good sense of humor. I can tell you're a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit and God loves you. Yes. All right. <laughs> Lord, would you create in us a clean heart? Would you take our hearts and would you make them pure before you? God, again, every day. Folks, here's what it's going to take. Every day, God, create a clean heart in us. Every day, forgive us for our sins because every day we sin. Every day, God, teach us to guard our hearts, to be aware of what's going in, what's going out, and what's going on with our hearts. If anyone hears this message in the text, man, my heart is not where it should be. Here's what you do. God, be merciful to me because my heart is not where it should be. Help me get my heart where it needs to be. Some of you, here's what you need to do to get your heart right. You need to be willing to forgive. Your heart is locked in the position it's locked in because you're full of bitterness. You're full of bitterness. Just what Dan said, Pastor, you don't know what happened to me. You're right. I don't know what happened to you. You don't know what happened to me. I can't fix your stuff. You can't fix my stuff. But I know who can fix our stuff. His name is God. We have the opportunity to come to him right now. God, be merciful to us. We're sinners. We need your help. Change our hearts, God. Create in us a clean heart. Make it right. We pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.